Hello, this is Pastor Nathaniel, and you're listening to the Edit Talk for the Itty Walk podcast. Here you'll find messages meant to edify and encourage God's people in the maturity, purity, and unity that comes from following Christ. From devotional thoughts to sermons from our Sunday morning services, my prayer is that the time you spend listening to this podcast will help you grow closer to our Lord and also lead you to loving others like He loves us. Let's get right to it. Good morning. Two things I hope you have. I hope you have had your coffee this morning. Or Diet Coke. Or whatever you need to get going in the morning. Your Wheaties, whatever. I hope you've had it. Your tea. And Pauline, she likes her chai tea. And I hope you have your Bible. Because we have a lot to go through. A lot to go through. I would still like to start by recapping last week. Last week we talked about the transformation that the Lord does in us when we turn from our sin and turn to Him for salvation. The transformation, the old is gone and the new has come. And what do we do? We put to death the earthly life, the sinful nature, and we strip off the old stuff we used to wear, the old way we used to dress, anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language, they're not the style for followers and disciples of Jesus. And I'm curious, you got to talk to me afterwards if you went home and YouTubed Hank Williams Jr. buck naked. <laughs> So if we're to strip all that stuff off, what do we put on? Oh, he tells us. Paul lays it out for us. Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 13. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your heart on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with Him in glory. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, Lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Ten Commandments, that's number two. Verse six. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived. But now, now you must rid yourselves of all such things as these. Anger, rage, Malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other, since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge and the image 
of its Creator. Here there is no Greek or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. Therefore, here we're getting to it. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. That's in the Lord's Prayer, isn't it? Verse 14, And put over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together. Lord, I do thank you that we are your people. And you knew we would be your people before the creation of the world. And that kind of love and that kind of knowledge just blows our mind. Thank you for the purpose and plan you have for your people. Lord, help us as we walk with you. We know we're not perfect. Uh, sometimes we're reminded of that pretty much every day. But Lord, you are. And so is the work that you do in us. So as we keep our eyes fixed on you, Lord, may you continue to help us in our faith, I pray. And help us as we spend a few minutes in your word to understand it, to understand why we're chosen. And, and, and Lord, may you just bless us this day and all the days ahead. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. We're not going to get too far this morning. I was studying and preparing, ready to jump into the virtues that we're to put on. But I got, I got stopped by a word. That word is in verse 12. Therefore, as God's chosen people, From the beginning, we see God has a plan and a purpose. He has a plan for all. In fact, this is why I said I hope you've had your coffee, your tea, your Diet Coke, your Rice Krispies, whatever. Because, man, we're going to get to it in the Scripture this morning. Kind of reminds me of Sunday school when you play Draw Your Swords. Because we're going to be flipping through like crazy. But you can see from the beginning that God had a plan for this world. Everyone. All. But we see in Genesis chapter 12. Genesis is the beginning. Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. What's the promise that, that the Lord gives to Abraham? I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse, and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Did you see the all? Good, because that's the theme. What's it like in the rest of the Bible? 
Well, you go to Isaiah chapter 40, verse 5. And it says here that the glory of the Lord will be revealed. And all humankind, did you hear that? That's everybody. We'll see it. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. And, and let's not forget, you might see it on somebody's cardboard sign when you watch football today. John 3.16. John 3.16. For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whosoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have eternal life. God has a purpose and a plan for this world that He loves all. And how is that plan executed? By the execution of the chosen one. 1 Peter chapter 1. I want you to hear verses 18, and I'm giving bonus verses here just because it lines up with what we talked about last week. I'm going to read to verse 4 of chapter 2. For you know that you... It was not with perishable things, such as silver or gold, that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your forefathers. But with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect, he was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. Through him you believe in God, who raised him from the dead and glorified him, and so your faith and your hope are in God. Now that you have been purified or now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth, so that you have sincere love for your brothers and sisters, love one another deeply from the heart. For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but imperishable, through the living and enduring Word of God. For all people are like grass, and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers... And the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord stands forever. And this is the word that was preached to you. Therefore, and you'll see how this lines up with the list we read earlier this morning and talked about last week. Therefore, rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. Get rid of that stuff. And like newborn babies, crave pure spiritual milk. Boy, that makes you ask, what do I crave? Crave pure spiritual milk that you may grow up in your salvation. Do you see there's got to be some kind of growth in our walk with the Lord? You've got to grow up in your salvation. Now that you've tasted that the Lord is good. You see, God had a plan. And He had the chosen one who died for our sins because we who believe and receive are a chosen people. We're going back to Ephesians chapter 1. We already read in Colossians chapter 3 verse 12 how we are chosen. Now go to Ephesians chapter 1. And I want to read here verse 4. Then I want to jump down and read 
verses 11. And I might read further. We'll see when we get there. But what does verse 4 say? He chose us in Him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in His sight. He predestined us to be adopted as sons and daughters through Jesus in accordance to His pleasure and good will. Then you go to one of my favorite verses, Jeremiah. See a friend of yours? See a bullfrog? This has been the summer of bullfrogs. I don't know if you've seen them. Reese caught one like this big. Okay, that's an exaggeration. It was this big. Laura said that was an exaggeration. It was not an exaggeration. Then they acted like they were kissing the frog like the story. They didn't really kiss it. They have salmonella. You don't want to kiss frogs. But what does it say in Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 5? Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. How about that? He's God, isn't he? And God is sovereign. Let's just say he's on a different level than we are. God is omnipotent, which means he is all-powerful. Yeah, there's some here who think they're all-powerful, huh? Not here, but on this planet. God is omniscient, all-knowing. There are people who were like that in Bible days, too. So Facebook didn't introduce us to something new. Only God is all-knowing. God is omnipresent. He's present everywhere at the same time, and He's been places we can't be. He's, he was there before the creation of the world. He knew who was chosen before the beginning, so of course He knows who's going to be with Him at the end, right? That's got to make sense. That's, that's God. He's not going to be surprised when someone walks through the pearly gates. <gasps> what are you doing here? He knows. In His plan, salvation is available to whosoever believes in Him. It's not God's will that anyone perish. But everyone who believes in Him has eternal life. I like how a fellow you might know put it. And this is a good quote worth writing down and remembering. It's a short one, so you might even be able to memorize it. Pastor Dave Parker said this. Every person God created, He has a plan for. Let that sink in. Every person. God created, He has a plan for. In His plan, no one gets left out unless they choose not to believe and accept. 
That's why it's so important that everyone hears the good news of Jesus Christ. That's why our role as witnesses in spreading the news around the world. You know, Acts 1-8, before Jesus went up into heaven, He says, You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and all to the ends of the earth. Guess what? I love spring water, but it's tiny. kind of feels like the ends of the earth, doesn't it? We're seeing Scripture fulfilled while we're His chosen people in spring water. God is love. He chose to show His love by sending His one and only Son to die for our sins so that we could live in relationship with Him. But love is not love if it's forced, is it? There was a country song back in the 90s. And let me tell you, back in the 90s, that's when I went through puberty. <laughs> and what happens? I'm not going to get into all those details. <laughs> but if I could rewind my life, there's some things I would change. One thing is, I'd be sitting in band class. I'm not going to say their names because there might be people. I would just stare at these girls, probably creep them out. I know it creeped them out. But I would just stare because they were pretty. I discovered girls. I was 12, 13, 14. Wow. And back in the, in the 90s, there's a lot of girls that I really liked and really wanted to love, you know, because oh, I had so much love to give. <laughs> and there was a country song back then in the 90s that said, it's no problem finding somebody to love. It's finding somebody who will love you back. And sometimes I think God would agree with that. Boy, He loves this world, but not everybody loves Him back. And I don't believe God makes us love Him. That would be out of character for Him. His Word shows He does not make us believe, but He leaves that choice up to the individual. And there's two words. Now, people might be thinking, Nathaniel, you're really going to go here? Hey, I went to puberty. I'm not afraid to go anywhere. <laughs> but we read the word elect, and we read the word predestination. What do these words mean to us? Uh, elect shows up about 15 times in the Bible, in the New Testament. Predestination shows up four times. I want to read Ephesians 1, 11 to 14 to you, so you can kind of get all of it here. And just to rewind, if somebody's picking apart my sermon out there, it might be 15 times the word elect or his people are referred to as elect. It might be not just the New Testament, but throughout the Bible. One or the other, because the New Testament's in the Bible. But anyway... Listen to verses 11 to 14. 
In Him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of Him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of His will. In order that we, who were the first to hope in Christ, might be the praise of His glory. There's the purpose, huh? That we might bring Him glory. See, that's the reason why we were His chosen people. Not just because God picked favorites in the beginning. Because he knew he would have a people. It was first the people of Israel in the Old Testament, and then because of Jesus, we all get to be a part of his people. And he knew he was going to have a people. That's a good thing. There's a chosen people. Chosen to glorify him. And listen to how we were included. Verse 13, And you also were included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. And not hearing, hearing wasn't enough. We had to do something after we heard. Having believed, you were marked in Him with the seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of His glory. Now let me just say that Christians disagree. If you don't believe that, you haven't, you haven't looked at the signs on churches around the area. I mean, we have Presbyterian, Lutheran, Catholic, Baptist, Nazarenes, United Methodist, Free Methodist. It goes on and on, doesn't it? Because not, not all Christians agree. And, and, and election and predestination are, are, are some of the things people don't agree on. And I'm not trying to pick a fight. I'm not trying to say, this person's right, this person's wrong. I think it's important you know what your preacher believes. And I think it's important you know the theology of the Church of the Nazarene. It's different than the other ones. And, but guess what? There will be Baptists in heaven. There'll be Pentecostals in heaven. There'll be Catholics in heaven. There's going to be Nazarenes and Presbyterians. We're going to, there's, it's going to happen. They're going to be in heaven. So we can't let the division ruin the mission. But what you believe really affects how you live, how you put your faith into action and live it out. That's why I'm a Nazarene. And many of you are too. And if you're not a member of the church, I'm not picking on you. It's okay if we disagree. What we do agree on is God is the Father. Jesus is the Son and Lord of all. That He died on a cross for sin, was buried, and on the third day raised again. And then He ascended into heaven where He sits at the right hand of the Father and intercedes on our behalf. Let's get back to those foundations. But I do want to help you understand what it means to how I interpret and, and Church of Nazarene and Wesleyan traditions interprets election and predestination how, compared to how others believe in that. And just so we know the difference. When it comes to the elect, there is a theology that believes that Jesus only died and salvation is available for the elect. In fact, back in the 17th century, when they didn't have Facebook, Netflix, Twitter, Instagram, 
unlimited channels on their cable. <laughs> this is a big topic of discussion. I don't know how often we hear people talk about this anymore. And when we do talk about it, I encourage you not to butt heads or fight or argue and cause more division, but listen to one another. Back in the early 17th century, there came up a debate, and, and this side believes and the elect as the only ones who receive salvation. They came up with a mnemonic device or an acrostic that came about back in the 1600s. You might have heard TULIP. It kind of summarizes what, what, what this viewpoint believes. The T in TULIP stands for total depravity. I know. See why I, I hope you have your coffee this morning? We're going deep. But total depravity. What does that mean? That means that human beings are so depraved, so corrupt, perverted, or wicked that we don't have the ability to choose Christ. And if we don't have the ability to choose Christ, then who does the choice making for us? According to this theology... God does. That's why there is the elect. And that election is unconditional. That's the you and the tulip. So God chose who is going to heaven and who is going to hell. That's what this idea teaches. And what I believe is that's not how I believe it works. And I hope I, I, I put that out with the scriptures we read earlier. Because I think Jesus is pretty clear in John chapter 3. And you might have to re-listen to this, but no, I'm saying it correctly. People don't go to hell for sin or because of their sin. They go to hell because they don't believe and find forgiveness for their sin. We've all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We all need a Savior. This is how Jesus puts it in verse 36. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever rejects the Son will not see life, for God's wrath remains on him. In that verse, I see choice. We either believe or we reject. I know this is a lot here, but stick with me. What this theology teaches, basically, is that the, the atonement of Jesus is limited, because it's just for those elected. The death that Jesus died, the work He accomplished on the cross, is only for those He chose, the elect. But can I remind you what I said earlier? God knew us before the beginning. He knows He's going to be there at the end. Who is going to be there at the end? He knew who his people would be. I believe that Christ died once for all. Listen to verse 27 of Hebrews chapter 7. Unlike the other high priests, those other high priests... 
Jesus does not have to act, offer sacrifices day after day, first for his own sins, then for the sins of the people. He sacrificed their sins once for all when he offered himself. And then if you turn a page, at least it's a page in my Bible, verse 12 of Hebrews 9 says this, He did not enter by means of the blood of goats and calves, but Jesus entered the holiest of places, the most holy place, once for all by His own blood. So believe that His atonement, the work He did to make us right, at one with the Father, is not for a limited few. It's for all who would believe. And then, so we've talked about total depravity, unconditional election, limited atonement. The eye and the tulip is irresistible grace. Those who are chosen or elect cannot resist the grace of God. I want, I want to read to you Acts chapter 7. Acts chapter 7, here verse 51. This is Stephen talking. He's given a sermon to the, the people who knew the law and the scripture and Israel's history, those leaders who are about to stone him. He gives them a big long sermon. And in verse 51 he says this, You stiff-necked people! See, I, I, at least I haven't called you stiff-necked. With uncircumcised hearts and ears. You are just like your fathers. You always resist the Holy Spirit. Why would he say that if it's not possible to resist? You always resist the Holy Spirit. Was there ever a prophet your fathers did not persecute? They even killed the one who predicted the coming of the righteous one. You know what? Let's go to what Jesus says. In the Sermon on the Mount, you can see that Jesus shows people have a choice. He says, Everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise person who built their house on the rock. The rain came down, like this morning, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall, because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine, and does not put them into practice, is like a foolish person who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against the house, and it fell with a crash. Do you see how they could accept or reject? It wasn't irresistible. Don't get me wrong. God is still sovereign. What He does is He puts out their prevenient grace. There's stuff that happens in our lives and we look back and say, that was God working. That was Him working in my life when I didn't even know it. But now looking back, I can see how He was drawing me to His love. Lastly, the P is the perseverance of saints. And what that means is 
in this theology, if you are the chosen, you are going to persevere to the end no matter what. Just, I ask that you consider the prodigal son. What would have happened if he died in the far off land? And I want you to consider something else. How about the protection and preservation of the saints? Because I'm not preaching that we are unsecure in our salvation. We're God's. He'll take care of us. And he says as much in his word. Listen to Psalm 31, 23. Love the Lord, all his saints. The Lord preserves the faithful. Doesn't he hold us up? Isn't he for us? Listen to verse 28 of Psalm 37. For the Lord loves the just and will not forsake his faithful ones. He's not going to abandon us. But we have to remember it's a daily walk. And you know what? Can you tell I started working out? <laughs> Reagan said, Dad, you're working out. You're going to get swole. That's what the kids say now. You know, you're going to get swole. You're going to get... <laughs> I haven't stuck to it. In fact, I discovered chocolate almond milk. And you might not be able to tell it, but I can tell I've put on 10 pounds since May. Because I didn't stick with it. And another reason I can't... I can't agree with that tulip idea, especially that last piece, the perseverance of faith, is because I know, in my experience people who've walked away from the faith. Preachers who have sinned in ways that make me cry. One man helped affirm the call in my life. And now he's far from the Lord. And I don't want to think about what might happen if he dies in the far off land. Of course, I haven't I've been careful what I say. He may have repented. It's been a while. I haven't kept in touch with him. That just makes us want to pray all the harder, huh? Because that, that, I'm not as swole as I should be. Because I got lax. And you know, I read a great quote this week. It's about church, it's about our daily walk. It says, problem with missing church is pretty soon you won't miss church. The problem with missing church is pretty soon you won't miss church. 
that walking away, sometimes it happens immediately, but most of the time it's a slow fade. And when we make those choices to not stick close, and what happens is it's like a door that's ajar. You know what that means, right? Not like you put your strawberry jam in it, but the door's not all the way shut. And what happens is all that stuff, because believe me, the devil wants us, the enemy wants us to put on all that old crap we used to wear, pardon my French, but it does stink. And what happens is if we don't daily walk with him, if we don't stay close to him, if we don't disciple one another and allow ourselves to be discipled, that, that, it's like that door's ajar, and it only takes a tiny crack for the enemy to get in. And what is the enemy? He's the one who's come to steal, kill, and destroy. And we start putting all that old evil stuff on again. Where does that leave us? Far from the purpose He's created us for. Far from the plan He has for all of us. Aren't you glad this is almost over? That's the home stretch right there. He has a plan for all of us. And I'm going to make enemies now, but I'm going to say this quote again, I'm going to make another point. And What did Pastor Dave say? And I agree with. Every person God created, He has a plan for which makes abortion so egregious. Because those are plans that never have a chance. Lives that purposes aren't played out. So we know there's evil out there, don't we? We know there's work to do. We know there's prayers to be prayed. But He has a plan for all of us. We are chosen. We're chosen for a purpose. We are His people, and our purpose is to glorify Him. And the purpose of being chosen, and this is the preview for next week. Verse 12 of Colossians 3. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, we're to be His, to live holy, fully devoted lives for Him. And we don't do that on our own. We do that with the indwelling Holy Spirit filling us. And we live for Him to love and be loved by Him. And when we do that, the change doesn't just happen here. It happens out there. Father, I do thank You for this time we've had to be together this morning. I thank You for Your Word. And Lord, help each of us as we work out our faith. Help each of us, even if we disagree in our walk with You, to allow You to do the, the work that You want to do in and through us so we can all fulfill Your plan and purpose for our lives. And Lord, I know this is heavy sledding when we talk about topics like this, but Lord, may Your Spirit and Your Word 
work in us so we can work out our faith. So what we believe and what we live out makes sense to us and in our life and, and for how you want to use our faith in the lives of others. Lord, help us to be your light in the salt of this earth. Help us keep our saltiness. to put on those things that we'll talk about in the next few weeks that draw others to you. Lord, bless each one here. Bless each family represented. May we have a blessed week ahead in you. And Lord, I pray all these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen. If this podcast is helpful to you, please rate us on iTunes or like our page, Springwater Church the Nazarene, on Facebook. Have a great day and Lord bless.